From the Times of North Oceania and nwi.com slash podcasts, you're listening to Byline. The podcast about the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk, and this week Byline examines future planning of the South Shore train line. We'll talk with leaders looking to the future. It's in great shape, and it's leveraged to make the next step. As well as those who aren't happy about it. I want to ensure the best outcome if this comes to happen. I want to make sure that the people of the town have input into the process and our concerns are addressed. What you're hearing is the sound of cars passing by on Ridge Road in Munster, one of the main thoroughfares of Lake County. But this scene you're hearing may, in the eventual future, sound a little more like this. And that is the sound of a train, more specifically the Northern Indiana Commuter Transportation District's South Shore Line pulling into the station in East Chicago. Its route crosses through the very northern sections of the area, but its appeal as a public transportation staple has caused others to want to see the line grow. So this week, Byline looks at how this may turn into this. As a starting point, let's introduce this episode's featured reporter. Andrew Steele, reporter. Byline has finally brought back Andrew Steele, who made his first appearance on Byline's second episode ever. Andrew is one of the Times' business writers, but also has a particular niche in covering transportation. You know, the northern uh, parts of the counties, uh, especially Lake and into Porter, are very much part of the Chicago metropolitan area. And not only that, but then also just sort of the national transportation area. You talk a lot about our crossroads of America in Indiana, and that that includes northwest Indiana with uh, expressways and uh, railroads coming through uh, freight as well as passenger railroads. And one of those items the northern regionites use is the South Shore Line, which, from the Illinois-Indiana State Line east to Michigan City, covers almost 40 miles, making stops in Hammond, East Chicago, Gary, near Portage and Chesterton, and finally Michigan City. Then it continues on to the end of the line in South Bend. With a connection to Chicago, Northwest Indiana's residents have a means to access the city for work or leisure in an inexpensive, relatively quick way. Plus, dollars and investment are likely to come back to our area to be spent or used. Over years and generations, the population and developments in Northwest Indiana have grown. And as of recently, at least according to 2010 census data, Lake, Porter, and LaPorte counties hold over 700,000 people. But is the growth in some ways continuing? Or has it become stagnant? About three years ago, our local U.S. representative for the 1st District of Indiana, Pete Visklosky, put out this PSA. Here's a snippet of what he said. We have to have that sense of urgency that we can't put this off till tomorrow. 
we're in this situation today because people have failed to act in the past. The problem we've had since 1970 is we have lost our children. We have lost 9.6% of our population since 1970, despite the fact that the country as a whole has grown by more than 50%. We are in the environs of one of those great city-states, the city of Chicago, whose average job pays more than 39% what is paid in Northwest Indiana. The median income in Lake County, Indiana today is 15 and a quarter percent lower than it was in 1970. And the average person living in Lake County today is 43% older than they were in 1970 because the children have not come back. What Visclowski is getting at and the overall message of the PSA is a push to do more with developing South Shore Lines reach. As noted in his language, many young people have left the area for the quality of life or amenities afforded to them elsewhere. Now, don't get confused or think this video spelled only doom and gloom. Northwest Indiana has proven to be an attractive place for people to live, too. Byline did, after all, do a past episode on how good the housing market is in some communities. But Visclowski is getting at what one could do to make it better and continue the growth. The idea, which has more or less floated around for years, is being found in extending the South Shore Line south into Lake County and adding a second track to its route between Gary and South Bend. And things finally seem to be on a roll. Andrew, on his beaten niche here, has been following this for a while now. Well, I first started, I said about a year ago I took over transportation, but so at that point they were, you know, a year or so, I think, into um, really getting into studying the West Lake Corridor uh, and putting together some specific uh, engineering work on, on the impact of, of the project. You know, you can go as far back as 30 years ago, people talking about this. The rail line in uh, the old Monon Railroad through Hammond and into Munster is part of the corridor now for Westlake, and that was preserved uh, 30 years ago for, for this project. Uh, and so, you know, 20 years ago or so, the South Shore uh, began putting it into its comprehensive plans. So it's been around a while, but really the last couple of years have been the most active and it's really gotten going. So what has the Northern Indiana Commuter Transportation District, otherwise known as NICD, been up to? So that's our job. They are, these, none of the plans we're going to show you tonight, but none of the plans we will refine in May will get built uh, the way we show them. Uh, it's a process, and years to come that will get refined, uh, uh, assuming the, the rail comes here. So this is some audio from a public workshop in Munster a few weeks ago. Like Andrew said, Hammond and Munster have owned the old Monon Railroad tracks that ran through those areas for years in preparation of a project like this. The push from Pete Visklaski and Nick D started rolling about two years ago, and since then they've held a number of open houses and public workshops, like this, where they've been laying out example plans and garnering input from the public. To get an idea of how the organization was thinking, we not only attended these recent workshops in Munster and Hammond, but also sat down with this person. Michael Nolan, N-O-L-A-N-D. I'm the president and CEO of the South Shore Line. Michael Noland has 30 plus years of experience with railroads and was an executive director at Metra in Illinois prior to his arrival in Indiana. A Chicagoland native hailing from Glen Ellen and someone who's gone to school in Indiana, 
he really likes the South Shore line. You know, um, I was struck very quickly when I got here about how enthusiastic folks are in the region for the South Shore line and not only the value they place on its current existence, but the uh, almost um, unilateral desire to see it um, improve and and develop and, and be more a part of the future of this region. It's in great shape and it's leveraged to make the next step. Um, and And when I walked in the door, I was handed a blueprint document, a, a vision for the future, a 20-year business plan that I say I want to do in 20 minutes. And, and that's really what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to leverage um, the, the fundamental strength of this railroad, which is the core assets in great shape, and then make the, make the investment necessary to transform it into that, into that higher functioning, uh, more valued asset that, that we all in the region want it to become. Michael, like Pete Visklosky, notices the lack of retention of young professionals to the region. Yeah, you know, one of the things that was that was um, made clear to me when I first got here was that we are, we, as a region, we're we're great at developing our young talent, and we're we're lousy at keeping them here. Our population is stagnant in some areas at best, and in other areas we're declining in population. And that is a not a long-term recipe for success. So one of the things that we've looked at is what are the what are the drivers to try to turn that around? One of them is time to market and opening up this region to make it a truly eastern suburb of Chicago. And, and we haven't been a suburb of Chicago. And it's the eighth largest economy in the world. It provides all kinds of opportunities for individuals to go and get a great job come and come back to an area like Northwest Indiana that's got great schools, low cost of living, low taxes, get more for your money. But until we get our time to market down, until we get our train frequency improved, until we improve our on-time performance, uh, those are those are impediments to um, leveraging some of the, the 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 train asset, which is really nothing more than a connectivity a- asset to to get to market. And making this truly a suburb of Chicago, or at least more of one than it might already be, is being planned out in these expansion projects. But it's not just building the railroad. There's also creating and refining the spaces around it. Apparently, there's a large demand to do so. And then office um, is actually kind of a bright spot, and I think it speaks to what the video spoke to, which is this is an economic development opportunity for Northwest Indiana. And the demand for offices, which is basically places where people work, jobs, is something like 360,000 square feet in the next generation. And that is a lot. That is a lot. This is another snippet from that public workshop. And the speaker is Doug Farr of Farr Associates, which is an architectural firm in Chicago. According to their data and research, Northwest Indiana is ripe for more office and housing development. But it's more than just build an office here and a house there. The planning includes the ideas of transit-oriented development, which essentially is creating neighborhoods with a mixture of living, work, and retail spaces, all within walking or very short commute distances from a transportation hub, like a train station. Far Associates, which is just one of many groups involved in this planning, pointed in their presentation to work they've done with developments around metro stations. And Michael Nolan, from his experience, points to this as well as a likable building model to develop communities and attract professionals to work and live in. And where does it start? 
well, according to their point of view, with expanding the railroad. Metra has over 400 miles of railroad track on its 11 lines compared to the South Shore's nearly 40 miles on one line. Now, granted, Lake Porter and LaPorte counties aren't necessarily in a spot to rival the populations found in Cook, Lake, McHenry, DuPage, Kane, and Will counties in Illinois. But those areas are very built out and have their metric connections. So the idea then is, what if? If the railroad expansion and transit-oriented development were pushed, would our area become just as attractive? Many Illinois people travel or move here for the lower cost of living and goods as is. But what about something more? When you then add to that the kind of development that can occur, uh, commonly known as transit-oriented development, if, if communities leverage their transportation asset. And I've heard people say, well, you know, South Shore has been here for 100 years and we don't see a hell of a lot of development around the stations, you know, in the region. And, and my answer to that is we've done nothing to make those developments attractive. They just don't show up at your door magically. You work at them. You, you develop comprehensive plans and you look at your zoning regulations and you have um, aggressive uh, marketing campaigns within each community to lure in development with a vision of what you want. That's what's happened over on the metro side. And from that, we expect if we do it right, that we can we can entice about two million or two billion dollars of private sector investment in and around the stations here on the, on the South Shore line once we make these leveraged investments. So at this point, we wait and see how funding pans out. So far, things seem to be on track. Pun not necessarily intended. Local Northwest Indiana communities have pledged funding for the line. NICTI is looking to the state to provide funds too. And at the time this podcast is published, the Indiana House has given approval for funding. We'll also be waiting to see if NICDU's requests make it into the federal budget as well. If all three line up perfectly, NICDU is looking at starting construction on the Double Track project in 2019 and the Westlake Corridor project in 2020. But not everyone is finding these plans favorable. I got um, from Harrison, and I just had uh, some quick comments as related to. Um, Section 2 of the resolution we gave you guys before. And uh, of, the of the four proposed stations, the Ridge Station is the only station being placed in the middle of a neighborhood block. It is the only parking lot that will back up to residential housing. I feel as our town representatives, you should protect us from this inequity and put the resolution that Nick D require all 18 homes. This is some more audio from Munster, except this time it's at Munster Town Hall. Recently, Munsterstown Council held a meeting to hear about a resolution from concerned residents. And concerned is the word to describe them as, because collectively around 175 of them have formed a coalition called the Concerned Families of the Westlake Corridor Project. The majority of members are from Munster, with a few from Hammond and Dyer too. The group formed this year in the middle of January and are being led by these two. Uh, my name is Pam Eanes and I am co-leader of Concerned Families of the Westlake Corridor Project. I'm Julie O'Connor, and I am the other co-leader of the Concerned Families of the Westlake Corridor Project. I did not know all this was happening. And so in the water bill, in December's water bill, they send out a little news, a newsletter with it. And on there, I saw a picture of the station and the parking lot right behind my house here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's right in my backyard. So I went to the next city or town council meeting 
and I brought it up to them and they said, well, this has been going on for years and this is a done deal. I'm like, how am I just hearing about this now if this is a done deal? And there were four people, four other people at the town meeting. And so one of the ladies, Sue Davis, who lives across the street, I started talking to her and she says, yes, they've been talking about this. So me and her handed out flyers to everybody in the neighborhood to come have a meeting and let's discuss this. Most people were like me and they had no clue that it was coming. But Julie came to the meeting because Julie has been on it for a lot longer than I have, but that's how it came about, so. I learned uh, that my house was in the crosshairs um, in November 2015 at a public meeting that Nikti had at Eads Elementary in Munster. Uh, and my next door neighbor and I were looking at the display boards and we saw the display board with a parking lot where our houses were and we started like freaking out and shrieking. Um, and, uh, you know, the Nikti personnel came over and uh, talked to us about it a little bit. Um, but that's where, that's how I learned. I walked into a meeting and saw it on a display board. Now, do you remember that bit of audio at the beginning of Ridge Road in Munster? Well, if you walk or drive on the nearby streets there, like Harrison Avenue, Frederick Avenue, South Street, and more, there's a lot of white signs stuck in lawns. On them it reads, no trains, no TOD, save our neighborhoods, followed by the website for this coalition. Nick D has put out several drawings and example plans of how the Westlake Corridor project expansion would happen, but part of the plans, at least in Munster, involves property acquisition through eminent domain. There's two proposed stations in Munster, one near Ridge Road and Manor Avenue, where that audio at the beginning was from, and down by the Munster-Dyertown border. According to Nickdy's draft environmental impact statement, 319 parcels of public and privately owned land, equivalent to 140 acres in Hammond, Munster, and Dyer, would be taken for the railroad's use. 147 exact would be full residential properties, and 42 would be partial. So it might be clear to see why this has ruffled feathers among residents. If you think about it, no one wants to lose their home. Like Julie said, her South Street home would be one taken away. As for Pam, the construction of a parking lot for the first Munster train station would in theory come up to her backyard. Other residents in the group have similar concerns as far as the status of their properties go. Uh, most of them are pretty mad. They're pretty upset for the things I said. Number one, they want to know why weren't they informed. And when we've got, talked to the town numerous times and we've said, you guys need, this is the number one gripe you have, is people do not feel they were informed. They put it in newsletters, like I said, that comes out, and I think it's on the town website now, they put it up, but the town kind of feels that this is Nickty's train, so Nickty should be doing it, but nobody's doing it. So that's the number one thing people don't like. The second thing is once they found out about the cost of it, what the real cost is, and how the train's gonna affect their personal property. And now the big question is the schools. We got a $48 million referendum coming our way this summer. And how is that gonna impact what House Bill 1144 just came out with last week? So there's a lot going on, and there's a lot to be mad at. Pam mentioned the true cost of the project, and by that she means a concern with potential extra money that might need to be paid for the project. Right now, Nick D is putting out estimates that the Westlake Corridor project will cost over $600 million. And remember, as mentioned before, 
NICTI is acquiring funds from the local towns, the Indiana state government, and the federal government. But what Pam and other residents feel worried about are debts and interest rates on the issued bonds, which they say could make the true cost something more like $900 million. NICTI and firms like Far Associates say in their research that they've found being near a train station is desirable and will raise property values because people will want to have easy access to public transportation. But the coalition doesn't like the transit-oriented development plants, not only because it would take away or change some current properties, but also because they offer research that shows property values don't necessarily increase when near a train station or railroad. A lot of the data that we have looked at, we have a, a few like academic studies, but it's studies that are done by um, like the National Association of Realtors um, who have all the data on home sales. And most of the effect is what they call nuisance effects. It's the noise of the train running past, uh, vibration, uh, increased traffic in the neighborhood is always looked at as a huge negative. It's all those things that are impacting the people who are the closest. Um, so that's a big concern for you know people who uh, live around here and people who have children who um, you know there's a couple of schools there's uh, St. Thomas there's St. Paul's there's Eads Elementary uh, where children walk to school they have to cross the tracks um, so there's a lot you know and there's a lot of young families particularly in this area around here so there's a lot of concern about safety. Going back to this town council meeting the coalition helped organize it and they've offered a resolution of course, their ultimate desire is for no train to come through their area, at least not in the way it's been offered or designed. But should construction happen, they've at least made some requests, such as the proposed sound barriers being higher for blocking sound and privacy, speed limits on trains, considerations for the surrounding streets so residents will still be able to park their cars, compensation for residents directly adjacent to the railroad if their property values go down, and even a nuclear option of Nick D just buying the entire block rather than just having a portion. Now, there's an acronym sometimes used to describe people that are fickle about projects as NIMBY, meaning they like the idea of it, but as soon as it's near them, it's not in my backyard. But Pam and Julie want to dispel that. They say they're not opposed to progress. They just wish the way it's been carried out thus far has been better to them. Uh, I'll tell you... Actually, right now, the state, uh, the parking lot in my backyard is the least of my concern. Once I start diving into uh, NICTI, the draft of the environmental impact study, once I start looking on the town's website, once I start looking at the RDA comprehensive plan, you know, at first it was all emotional, like, oh my gosh, you're putting this here and I had no say so, to now I'm looking at close to $4 billion being spent and new legislation being jammed down our throats from the state of Indiana. You know, but also, as I mentioned, my husband and I have been train riders of the South Shore for years. I work from home now, you know, as more and more people are doing these days, but he still rides the train every day to Chicago. So we're not against, you know, we're not against the train. We're not against progress. Um, you know, and like I said, I feel like I'm, I'm giving up a house. I want to ensure the best outcome. If this comes to happen, I want to ensure the best outcome. I want to make sure that the people of the town have input into the process and that there is a mechanism by which the town and NICTI are hearing us and our concerns are addressed. So with different sides wanting different things, what's the conclusion be made here? If you're looking for an answer, this podcast didn't make it definitive. 
we've presented the sides and the information and you dear listener get to decide for yourself this isn't the first time we've seen a situation where residents are butting heads with an organization or corporation in the past we've looked at east chicago's historic marktown neighborhood an area with a notable background but which british petroleum would possibly want to take off the map for the safety of residents or we've looked at the developments of Maryville's Star Plaza Theater and how a music or business venue may have to evolve to keep up with current preferences. When these decisions are made, people are affected. It's likely impossible to make everyone happy, no matter what road you choose. And sometimes the stakes are high. The potential negative side effects may cause reservations, but the possible benefits can give hope. You take a gamble on the future, and you see where your dice land. We'll just have to wait and see how this one may turn out. Byline is a production of the Times of Northwest Indiana. Episodes come out every two weeks and can be found at nwy.com slash podcasts. You can also find Byline on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just type an NWY Byline in the search bar and we should pop up. If you've got a media player and want to download our episodes or listen on the go, Byline is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We just kindly ask that you rate us and leave a review because it actually really helps. And we'd like to hear from you, whether that's constructive comments, feedback, or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear more about. You can just drop an email to kale.wilk at nwi.com. Reporting for this week's episode came from Andrew Steele, as well as myself, Kale Wilk. We'd like to thank Michael Noland, Julie O'Connor, and Pam Eanes for taking time to be interviewed for this episode. If you'd like to follow Andrew Steele for more South Shore or transportation news, you can follow his Twitter profile, which is at NWI underscore A Steele, spelled S-T-E-E-L-E. We'd also recommend following our Statehouse reporter, Daniel Carden, whose profile is at NWI underscore Dan Carden, and that last name is spelled C-A-R-D-E-N. Finally, a big thanks to Summer Moore, the Times' digital and audience engagement editor and Byline's creator. She's the conductor of this train and wherever it is that we head off to. I'm Kale Wilk, and from the Times of Northwest Indiana, thank you for listening. See you next time.